This is the Post Shift Podcast, where we'll look at the hospitality industry. What has happened to Post Shifters, and welcome to another episode of the Post Shift Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Sean Sewell. Um, the last couple of weeks has been very, very different because if you haven't noticed, a lot of the episodes that I've done have all revolved around uh, recordings I did before COVID-19 sort of outbroke here in North America. And so what's that, what that has made me do has had to go back to the people that I interviewed and sort of get an update to bring context to pre and post COVID-19 coming out and, and shutting down the hospitality industry. Um, today is no different. It's Francesco Lafroni from um, Vegas, who is a, a huge influence on my career, massive uh, peer and friend, which is just amazing. Uh, he, he's just a, a, fa- a fantastic guy. So I sat down and had a chat with him a couple of weeks ago while I was in Vegas, but then I got on the phone and had a good long chat about um, how things have been changed, how things have changed for him over the last little while. So I hope you uh, enjoy this episode. I'm going to do like a cut in between the two conversations to give you context. Um, but I uh, hope you enjoy this episode, guys. Thanks. Hi, Ian. I'm well. How are you doing? Oh, good. Staying busy. I I'm, I'm feel busier than I was before. So I suppose that's a good thing oh, to get yeah? out of trouble. So let's try to news. Yeah. Well, this doesn't mean I'm making money. It just means that I'm busy. <laughs> uh. Okay. Yeah. I'm actually starting to get, um, you know, young people, companies are starting to reach out as well. Yeah, I think. And, um, yeah. I think the first week or two, everybody was just like, what the hell? And now the marketing departments and the PR departments are, are seeing, a, um, seeing the opportunities and adapting and innovating. So... I think over the next couple of months, it's going to be a, a, a bigger change and a, a bit more of a pivot for marketing to go online a bit more. Yeah. So how are you doing, my friend? Um, I'm okay. I tried to figure out the next move. You know, as of now, I'm unemployed. So we have to figure out if the hotel is going to open my venue again or not. So I'm in the limbo as of now. Really, then, are they keeping you in the loop of things that are progressing and stuff, or are you really just completely no. in limbo? As of as of now, there are no news. They extended their their pain. The the their group of station casinos are paying their their employees extended pay from April 30th to May 15th now, but we don't belong to them because we are a managing company. Mm-hmm. So how have things changed uh, uh, in Vegas? In Vegas, since everything happened, on from a sort of venue sense, uh, you know, it's uh, it's very um, it's very. I would say, an hospitality is very chaotic, you know, because mm-hmm. um, yeah, employees uh, they. You know, right now they feel kind of left, uh, you know, they receive all laid off letters, you know. You might have read that, um, you know, Pakistan Group uh, let go 1,500 employees and something like that, you know. And, uh, you know, many companies are going to furlough their employees and so forth. So it's... um it's probably going to start to settle in 
you know, shortly. But as of now, there's still a lot of uncertainty and a lot of, you know, stressful, um, uh, you know, uh, circumstances to deal with because, you know, you need to understand that uh, hospitality is probably, you know, one of the tourism and hospitality is one of the very, very first, um, you know, businesses that will be highly compromised because of consumer of a lack of consumer confidence on traveling and getting exposed, you know. It's not like going to the um, to the bank or the grocery store or do, you know, run your chores. It's more, um, you know, having good time shoulder to shoulder. I mean, just to think about the concept of a nightclub. Mm-hmm. How can you have a nightclub uh, distancing people? So it's, um, I mean, I don't think uh, we as society have figured it out yet. We don't even know what is going to be next, uh, you know, when we're going to come out of this. But um, I think there was a very good, um, there was a very good uh, conversation by Dr. Anthony Fauci. that You can also have access on the Wall Street Journal podcast. Mm -hmm. It's called uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci on how life returns to normal. And, um, you know, What's interesting of his perspective is that as the White House, you know, um, representative and also from the scientific, uh, you know, medical point. So I think it's a very good, um, it's a very good introspective and analysis of what he sees and, you know, on, based on his experience and his eyes, um, Mm, how society will resume to somewhat normality, but on the other hand, if you read through the notes uh, as a business owner, uh, you might be able to capture uh, to catch um, quite a few insights to start to lay the foundations for new business approach. You know when the lockdown, you know, will be lifted up and so forth. So. That's something that I recommend to listen. But, um, you know, it's, um, this is a different situation because we are not coming out of a war where the main, the common denominator could have been, you know, uh, the destruction, you know, demolition and, and so forth. This is more of a, you know, uh, bacteria, virus that you get by, you know, being in contact <laughs> with others, touching surfaces. So, you know, it's not about, oh, okay, you know, we're investing in infrastructures, we're investing in this and that. So right now, you know, instead of that, you will have the medical field ramping up. Uh, but, you know, as far as hospitality, I think uh, we need to work with the local. There's going to be, this is how I see it. And from a complete, you know, um, uneducated <laughs> and uh, not a qualified individual to say, but as a citizen that I am experiencing the situation, I think um, in our business, if we need to be able to readapt to the circumstances, 
to the current uh, series of events, uh, there is going to be much more synergies between chambers of commerce and health mm-hmm. departments because is the health department that will ultimately be able to provide the guidelines to maintain, you know, the, the proper conduct of business based on the circumstances. But is the Chamber of Commerce that with individual sectors that they need to educate uh, their individuals. So, you know, I can see that there is a, a, a few of us uh, in hospitality and consulting then I will partake in that role, in the role that instead of going out and consult and just uh, talk about, uh, hey, this is how this whiskey is made or this vodka is made. Now it's saying, okay, these are the requirements. And in the case that you're making this drink, so you need to follow these steps. And I, I think uh, at least if, until we don't come back to normality, which is hopefully when the vaccine you know, will be available to each one of us, and we will be, and we will feel safe. Uh, but between now and then, which is probably another, you know, ten to sixteen months, twelve to eighteen months, probably that's what they say. And uh, for the time being, everything is going to be still very precarious and up in the air, and there will still be fear. You know. Of course, you have a pocket of consumers of that society that they don't care, they they feel, you know, strong and, you know, untouchable. Um, but for the most part, uh, there will be a lot of more sensitivity. But if you're looking, I, I think right now, everybody got caught by surprise, right? And um, whether you start from the top, you know, um, the government all the way down to the local um, entities, business entities. There's a lot of uh, confusion and uh, misdirections. But if you're looking at what Japan did from 19, after World War II until early 90, right, when they crashed and the, uh, the economy, but they, they were able to be one of the strongest economies in the world because they created an interlocking business relationship called Kareitsu. And the Kareitsu was a connection of a networking of financial institutions with businesses. And uh, this is why it's very difficult still nowadays to do business in Japan because there is this kind of a very intertwined business. But they help each other out. You know, uh, in these times of uh, circumstances, in these times of, uh, um, you know, uncertainty and uh, insecurity, uh, we need to come together. If we don't come together with with the institutions, with the local government, because at the end of the day, there is no consumer confidence. And how we are going to rebuild that, you know, is when our peers, our friends and colleagues, our customers, you know, they understand what are the new the the new salaries, the new interest rates, uh, how they're going to get by every month and, you know, if their hours are reduced. Because think about it, nowadays you probably are not going to go to work, uh, you know, seven days a week now. The business might close down two days a week or, or more. So there is a reduce in labor as well as personnel. So now... 
that's the situation that we need to face. Is this a, we need to re-engineer, you know, um, the the labor and um, and also the human capital. It's um, you know, it's, there are certain aspects of our businesses that uh, will probably have to disappear, you know, or they will be strongly compromised by the close contact interaction. And that's where we are going to become very astute about it. Um, I think um, we're going to see a lot of uh, human ingenuity to come into place uh, because we are an incredible race and um, you know when we come together we can really make a, an impact into societies and uh, environment and so forth so uh, it's a teamwork you know um, to talk about I mean if you if you want to talk about uh, you know business bar business related or bartenders my understand the analogy you're looking at when Irish Distillers Limited got together, you know, you had um, Bushmill and Jameson basically Middleton coming together, and they said, "Look, we're we're losing, you know, to our whiskey categories, and we gotta be strong together, even if we are competing for the same, you know, market share." And uh, they got together. Look at, you know, after so many years, though. But this is just a very, you know, long shot reference. But now Irish whiskey is, 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 is booming, is very, very strong. But what I'm trying to say that at the core of the business is these alliances. And we need to align, align with, um, with multiple type of businesses. And that's basically, I think, where we are now. It's a reassessment, you know, that we need to do. And, uh, and we're going to walk into more of an antiseptic society. You know, there's going to be more um, awareness about contagion each other. There is uh, some kind of a mandatory distance, which is, you know, the social distance. So we need to remove covers and the tables from restaurants and allow more distance. But it's, what scares me still is the fact that you know how people are gonna get on a on a plane, and um, you know, with the, if you're stuck in the middle seat and you have passengers and, and left and right, and someone is coughing, and then you walk into a you know to, from the airport, you get into a car that somebody's driving, you don't know if that person is safe or not. Going to a hotel, stay in the hotel. Hopefully, everything is sanitized, you know, disinfected, and and on and on and on. So. There then it will be some paranoia, but that paranoia, perhaps um, a percentage of that will also help to maintain the awareness, you know. So on a, on a personal level right now, how are you dealing with um, isolation and, and uh, being stuck at home, basically? Well, I have to be honest with you, uh, despite, um, you know, the... Um, the remuneration, you know, the, the, the stipend and so forth and all of that, uh, I'm actually, I think this is for me to stay home right now just to catch up on life and all the paperwork and all the ideas and all the mood boards that I am putting together for businesses. And I mean, this is, uh, this is heavenly for me, you know, I, I feel like I, I never expected that. Through this time of um, despair and you know 
I, I, I'm able to to catch up with life, you know, to go through a lot of um, stuff that I had in boxes for a decade, you know, and uh, so I am trying to get the best out of the circumstances. So I'm definitely missing Mr. Coco, my bar, my employees, my customers, my guests, uh, you know, the energy, um, the products. Uh, I miss everything, you know, the sound, the bar, the smell, the, the, the look of the beautiful, you know, design and everything. But um, on the same time, this forced vacation has to be useful to uh, basically reconnect with yourself and understand uh, what you've been doing right so far and wrong, miss opportunities. I think it's a moment that the world um, struck into a pause, a force pause, and we are all in this together. You know, it's not just a pocket of a country or a town or a region it's a, or a continent. All of us are in the same boat right now. So you can either, you know, start to be increase anxiety, be very anxious about it and increase anxiety, stress and, uh, and be negative and start to deliver negative energy with your peers in your, in your home, you know, around you. And you start, you can become more, you know, negative and mean, but that will not take you anywhere because at the end of the day, we need to stay fit, healthy, mentally, physically, and ready to start off the gate when, you know, uh, life will resume, even if it's going to be compromised from what we left a month ago, we still be part of the society and we do have responsibilities and commitment. So, uh, we need to be positive. I love to, to share dozen and dozen of WhatsApp, you know, jokes and, and uh, make people laugh and I see their emojis coming back, you know, I'm you know, laughing my ass off and this and that. Because at least, you know, I'm sharing a moment of happiness when people open and, and they laugh. And I mean, I laugh at when I wake up in the morning, you know, I watch it and start laughing in bed by watching. So, Laughing is very good, and drinking is um, is it's definitely for those who like to enjoy alcoholic beverages. It's definitely it's something there that um, you know gives you some relief at times. But yeah, everyone has to be very careful, very careful because it's easy to to get into a spiral. And um, and if we are stuck like this for another month or so and you've been drinking every day it's um you know it can start to raise concern also for your health um and this is very very important because you don't want to resume your job or your profession uh that you are not only financially compromised now but also mentally and physically so to all our friends and peers in hospitality by anyone there that is listening i'm I urge everybody to be very, to apply very responsible drinking and, um, you know, drinking heavily will not help you next day to find a cure for the vaccine or, you know, or find your bank account full. So very important that we stay aware and, uh, we are confined, but we need to, you know, time is valuable. It's, it's precious and, um, 
it's a very rare commodity and I think right now we do have the privilege to be able to manage time the way that we never be able to manage before. Thank you so much for your time, sir. I uh, I appreciate that I got to sit down with you a month ago before all this happened and 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 hang out because you are one of my one of my uh, favorite peers and uh, mentors. A lot of the stuff you do is um, it, it's influenced my life a great deal. So I want to thank you for that. Yeah, my pleasure, Sean. Anytime. You're a dear friend and a great professional too, and and I do look up to your great uh, ideas and accomplishments and uh, you know so very stimulating indeed so stay safe happy easter thank you sir have a good day enjoy thank you enjoy the wonderful days of spring and the birds chirping thank you okay (laughs) have a good day bye-bye you too just going to interject here. Uh, that was the phone call that I had with Francesco a little while ago about uh, how things have changed for him in Vegas and the industry, his job, so on and so forth. Um, he gave a lot of great insight for Wall Street journals and all this sort of stuff. So he's a very, very philosophical gentleman, and I really enjoyed his his sort of take on um, life after all this because Vegas has been hit so hard. Well, everybody's been hit really hard, but um, Vegas is so tourism driven it's been hit very very hard when it comes to the hospitality industry but that being said i hope you enjoyed that uh post covid uh interview next up we've got the the pre when we were taking a walk through uh mr coco's and it was just a different time and i just wanted to sort of bring context to everything uh because right now a lot of the people in the industry are hurting um next week is tobin ellis which i i did a live stream with him so you've got a lot of information coming up i hope you enjoyed the rest of this episode guys thanks bye um, we've had a long afternoon already and you've got to get off to another meeting, <laughs> which is the perfect thing with this, these podcasts. Like, so my podcast is always sort of light and breezy, mainly because at the end of the day, I'm very transparent and raw, um, with everything because I think, I think our industry in this day and age, we've been doing it long enough that, um, it gets befuddled with social media and influences and nice cocktail pictures and stuff. And I think now I like to like pull it back as far as possible and like show the struggles, the successes, the failures, everything as we go. So how'd you get into bartending? Well, bartending for me, Sean, it became a very spontaneous uh, evolution of my family business because my parents and uh, my relatives they in Lake Como, Italy, north of Milan, they always had grocery stores and, and bars. So I was literally born in a bar and grew up with my family business. And then I went to hotel school and I liked... I was contemplating the idea to become a chef or a pastry chef because I like decoration, garnishes, you know, for cakes and so forth. But um, I didn't have access to it because uh, they closed the number for uh, enrollment. So I ended up being in front of the house and, uh, and I, had, I found an incredible mentor of mine and uh, we used to own a piano bar called White Lady, the Dama Bianca, with one of Italy's largest collection of single malls. So I fell in love with the with the business with the uh, with the category, and I wanted to pursue bartending to the highest level as possible. So I really knew since very early on that I want to be a bartender for all my life. White jacket behind the five stars hotel bar, you know, getting to know 
everybody that walks through it's like the in a bar stool you have the world coming through you you know that's why bartender fascinates me so much and I think sometimes that gets sort of lost like people think that a neighborhood bar like in like a suburb of Brooklyn is very different to what you were saying like the, the white the white tuxedo behind a hotel bar and people think that the one is like more personable than the other but you see your style of service and stuff is the same as if someone walked into a neighborhood joint and uh, experienced the bar the same at, at the end of the day Sean we are in hospitality and the stereotype is that yes you go to a bar you order a drink and, but at the end of the day we are in the people business so whether you work in a dive bar or in a five stars hotel um, bar concept uh, at the end of the day what probably varies is the offering and the delivery but also dealing with uh, you know locals is one thing or a certain expectation and more a high demand you know spoil sometimes or even more arrogant customer or guest in a five star luxury hotel because they have a lot of money they feel they are entitled and they have more social status right but at the end we are all um, providing a service and uh, I think it's fascinating the way that you go to a dive bar or a neighborhood bar and you feel comfortable and you can't wait to finish your shift or at the end of the working day to go and relax and unwind you know and uh, around the corner to your favorite local bar but sometimes when you want to treat yourself you can explore another venue or more of a high-end you know to impress somebody maybe your date or your friends right or they come out of town and let's go here because we can show something different and entertain you with a different expectation so uh, no matter where you are at the end of the day it's all about the guest so uh, how long ago did you no, I should say this how long ago did you start what year, what, what year was it that you kicked off Officially, I was 15, 16 when I started hotel school. That's when I started to savor, so to speak, like to sip on uh, high-hand service and, you know, amazing um, whiskey bottles from the 1960s. Oh, wow. Gordon McPhail, Connoisseur Choice, back in the days. And, and that's when exactly where I realized that this is my world. You know, and uh, my career started. Um, I had a very strong self awareness because I knew where I wanted to end up being. So I started working in specific resorts with uh, keeping consideration that each one of them would enrich my curriculum, right? but also strengthening my weakest link. So I needed to be fast, so I went to work in the nightclub. I needed to know coffee, so I went to a coffee bar. I need to know how to make ice cream and prepare ice cream, so I went to work for ice cream. I knew I need to learn about tea or hotel bar, so I cover every one of them, but always the best that the city could offer or you know the, the resort could offer because I didn't want to waste time. I wanted to say, okay, this is what I need to learn. I go to learn from the best. I don't have room for mediocrity. The time goes fast. I need to build my curriculum, my resume. So when I go out in the world on my own, I know exactly how much I can ask or how much I can learn or how much I can offer. Do you still have that passion today? Uh, even more, actually. Yeah? 
I well, do. Like, I think there's a, a sort of a, um, a perception that once you get to a certain level of the industry, that you sort of like you've tapped out. I don't think uh, that uh, it hit me yet because I learn every day. I have a strong sense of humbleness when I go to, for instance, a Japanese restaurant and I am in front of the shochus or sake options, despite the fact I took a, you know, a sake level one course and with John Gunter from Tokyo. And, but I still have, so oh my God, I have so much to learn about sake. Then I go to a wine restaurant and yes, I do know my wine, but there are so many wines that I don't know. And I say, I should know about the grapes from, uh, you know, this area of Germany or Spain. Mm-hmm. You know? And when I look at whiskeys or, you know, vodkas or gin, I'm, the more I'm exposed to new brands, the more I'm frustrated because I should know it all. So to your question, <laughs> no, the passion hasn't faded yet. So when did you come to the U.S.? And what brought you to the U.S.? What brought me to the U.S., it was a, a manifestation of hospitality because uh, I was uh, working at the Hotel Cipriani in Venice in 1998, in October, and I was closing the bar, but I was taking a double shift because a colleague called in sick and I decided to take over, even if it was my Friday, ready to go home and commute by train for a couple right. hours. And two gentlemen from the United States walked in, and they wanted to have some chocolate ice cream after restaurant hours. I was able to provide the ice cream. I was able to give them other drinks. And one of them happened to be my dear boss, Larry Ruvo, who runs Southern Glacier Wine and Spirits of Nevada. And uh, for 20 years, we are friends, 22 years. And he, I worked for him for 18 years. And him and I basically... Uh, you know, he sponsored my green card, and uh, and we created the ambassadorship program because ninety nine two thousand there were no ambassadors, but when suppliers like John Esposito at that time I was uh, at the helm of Sheffling and Somerset mm-hmm. when they launched Tanqueritan and you know Belvedere and Chopin, um, they saw that if you have a, a representation and a spokesperson for your brand and goes to the market, it could be very beneficial. Keep in mind that back then there was only uh, maybe, you know, Dale DeGroff at the Rainbow Room, you know, Windows of the World. Back then that he was endorsing, you know, some brands or... But everybody else, uh, it was just brewing. So when they saw in the distributorship uh, someone that could actually you know, talk about brands in a way that it was an educator. So they start to realize that they start to bring in. So now you see this amazing ambassador like Shadow Voicey, mm-hmm. you know, Ryan McGarrian back in the days. And uh, I mean, many, many, and then all around the world. But uh, I think Charlotte is truly, you know, what she did for William Grant, and it's, it's remarkable. And then the Bacardi people follow, you know, uh, with the Jacob Breyer's team um, and and so forth. So it's an incredible journey that we've been experiencing for the past 20 years. I think a lot of, a lot of younger bartenders these days, they miss the fact that in 2000 there was no internet. Like, and even then, there was no real internet to speak of in the way there is now. Like, Facebook wasn't a big thing until 2006, 2007. You know, so, like, for when you wanted to learn things and uh, experience things, and that's something you literally have to go out and buy a book, 
and like go to a bookstore and track it down. Like I remember I did a tasting with Jacob Bryers in 2001 or two on vodka when he was a 42 below back in yeah, Australia. Yeah, the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, the vodka. The vodka doctor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you just didn't have that sort of like access to resources that you have now. When I was at Glen Ingalls Hotel in Scotland in 1994, I was 22. And um, I reached out to multiple distilleries, Glamorangi, Bombay Sapphire, I remember um, a few other Scotch uh, distilleries. And then, all of a sudden, about a month later, I received an airmail package with a Bombay Sapphire blue polo with a logo and a letter saying thank you for pro- promoting our brand, and then a brochure with the Car- Carter Head Steel mm-hmm. and the 10 Botanicals, and I was reading it, I was like, liquid gold for me and then the same thing from Glamorangi where they start to release the wood finishes Madeira Sherry Port and I couldn't believe that I had this access to this you know to it was like 94 and and I was able to get straight from the source this information so that one made me you know um, um, so willing to learn and absorb like a sponge, so I could share with my guests, uh, you know, behind the bar. Where did when when you said you met up with the the guys from Southern Glazers? Were you in Italy at that time? I was in Venice, Italy. Yes, I was. Uh, I was working there in How the summer. How serendipitous is that? You know, if I was tired and want to go home and say, you know what, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do a double. I'm just going to go home. Yeah. But then I decide to take a double. I decide to to extend my bar hours because uh, at, the, at the hotel we have three bars. The pool bar, the aperitivo bar, the San Giorgio where we met um, my future boss at that time, Mr. Ruvo. And then the, the Gabbiano, which means the seagull, which is the piano bar uh, after our bar. So I was closing the, the second bar. And there's uh, two gentlemen with the baseball cap, shorts, and tennis shoes, and polo came in, you know. But when you work in a five-star hotel, you never know what comes through. Mm-hmm. It could be someone underdressed and is a billionaire, you know. So I decide to just say, you know what, these are two guests, they're looking for chocolate ice cream and let's give it to them I think around that era as well like I remember I was in uh, I worked on Hayman Island in the Whit Sundays which was a five star resort up there in the in the Great Barrier Reef in around that time as well and it was around the time that dot com millionaires became really popular and like our penthouse was like a four thousand dollar a night sort yes. of space and so you also had 21 20 year old 22 year old kids wow. who were like literally just became like internet millionaires like six months ago come and stay there and just drop thousands of dollars in the place and you could, could never tell it went from like everybody who was mid 40s white like older being rich to 22 year old kids being the same amount of rich and so you can never tell when you worked in five star hotels who was no, I agree. And uh, but even here at Mr. Coco, you know, we had uh, this, uh, uh, you know, people from a different walks of life, and you know, you meet CEOs, you meet people from the you know the cannabis industry that they're all super wealthy these days. <laughs> um, you know, tech or uh, UFC, you know, mm-hmm. all over. I mean, it's. It's beautiful. It's uh, it's really a window into the world, and at the end of the at the end of the day, you know, we are citizens of the world, right? We we travel, we meet people, mm-hmm. 
we entertain you know guests at, um, so it's uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always surprised but uh, I expect every time every day to meet somebody that uh, can potentially change your life so you were with Southern Glazers for 18 years? 18 years. I left, I started March 1st, 2000, and I ended up March 2nd, Friday, 2018, just to open Mr. Coco. And you must, in 18 years, again, that's a long, that's a long tenure for most even brand ambassadors and educators and stuff with one brand. What sort of changes in the industry did you see in 18 years? Well, um, in 18 years, uh, you know, you started to have a more defined categories uh, uh, establishing themselves uh, to the level of rye whiskey, mezcal, um, you know, the tequila booming, the, the stalling, the, the uh, reinventing themselves, you know, in the tequila world uh, with different, uh, you know, finishing, wood barrel aging and so forth. and. Um, you know, bourbon whiskey uh, starting to step out of the stereotype or the traditional mash bill and the, you know barrel finishing. So that is one thing that I saw. I saw a lot of that. Uh, vodka tried to gas for hair, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and from the booming, I remember when I was in the beginning of my career with Southern Glacier Wine Spirits, I would receive probably ten um, ten different labels a month of vodka. You know to sample and then um, I started to have that in the tequila world and then I started to see that in the you know rum and then bourbon and now gin right so it's an evolution and uh, it seems like the Europe and United States and North America and with a little bit of Asia involved mostly Singapore Hong Kong but um, in Japan, but it's like a like a ping pong effect. You know, we we start something hot here, it goes overseas, and then from overseas we trickle back here. You know, like rum, for instance, mm-hmm. right? Rum is very strong in Europe, not necessarily in America. Uh, then we exporting bourbons and rye and mezcal. Now in Italy, for instance, and in Euro, everybody wants mezcal, right? It's a so the evolution has been um, quite. Uh, Dramatic, so to speak, because it's been from, you know, you're thinking about the Cosmo, the Apple Martini, uh, you know, with uh, with those packering, you know, you know, sweet and sour, uh, you know, liqueurs and schnapps and so to speak, and then you you see the evolution of the American palate, um, you know, from uh, very sweet to now. Even the most bitter amaro from Italy is not enough. <laughs> and, and again, this is not for the average Joe. Yeah. But for the trendsetters, for you when know, people the, saying Fernet's not is too sweet. Travels. It's like oh, I know Fernet. They go like, oh my <laughs> god, where's the sugar coming from? You know, at one point, I think uh, I have to change Miami's bush and give him a uh, you know a piece of uh, gentian root <laughs> to chew on. Just to chew on while they're waiting. <laughs> so we're sitting in Mr. Coco, which is uh, I'm a very fastidious designer and like I'm very picky about little things. There's always a little touches for me. That nine times out of ten, I have a thing called subconscious chaos that everybody in their life wants to see subconscious. Um, uh, tailoring and, and boxes and compartmentalization because out in the real world it's all chaos um, and the little touches in this space so you took me for a walkthrough it's just amazing 
what drove you, like we talked about what drives you every morning to learn more and educate yourself more and stuff like that, but what drove you to leave what I assume was a relatively like good, well-paying, fulfilling job at Southern Glazers to like leaving and really taking a risk and opening your own place? Well, Sean, you know, I give up a six figures, uh, you know, to to embrace, uh, to embark in this journey. But in my 18 years of consulting for national account chains and hotels and restaurants, and I always, always hoped that I was able to see my white lady, the Dama Bianca in Italian, uh, piano bar, feel an environment and and I haven't seen it I met a lot of operators with the great expectations and they talked the talk but they didn't deliver I see a lot of clients who asking to bring in and try to shift you know their program um, with a very poorly back bar design of where there's no room for glassware mm-hmm. or for bottles it was very challenging and I decided that I needed to do something for the industry. I wanted to be an incubator for the city of Las Vegas, which has been an incredibly amazing for me. I'm so grateful for the community that is here, from hospitality as well as um, consumers-wise. So I said, it's time for Francesco to to do uh, what he, you know, he started his career with to learn mm-hmm. how to be a, a great host. Not that I'm great, but I definitely wanted to be a very good host. Uh, I have that sense of responsibility for my guests to give them a wonderful experience. And uh, drinking choices, uh, so the attention to details. And I've been traveling around the country, and I never come across to a food package. And maybe Mr. Coco is not the food package, but it's definitely a step above what I've been experiencing as a guest, as a customer. And I hope, and the reason why I opened Mr. Coco is because I want people to not copy the concept, but make it better. And become, um, I would like to see the, the pinnacle of Mr. Coco from uh, you know major corporation, hotel resource in Las Vegas, or you know private investors, I don't mind. But I think that's the way that we can increase and raise the bar in Las Vegas. So walking away from the traditional you know, casino lounge to be more committed with glassware, garnishes, um, attention to details, cleanliness of the uh-huh. workspace. Uh, and that's what it is. Because I truly believe that uh, you know, the sense of beauty and the aesthetic value is within us. Now, there are cultures and societies that they, you know, they have that more acute, like Italians, for instance, because of fashion or car design, furniture design. <clears throat> and then someone maybe lack that because they have other priorities in life, right? Or uh, they are exposed to different mm-hmm. uh, uh, stimulation. But um, I... When when a guest comes to Mr. Coco, he needs to feel transported to another dimension, to a different place. Because you are here to spend twenty twenty five dollars for a cocktail, which is you know four or five dollars more than the average, and you need to have an experience. You need to be feel pampered. This accessible luxury that we're offering has a cost, uh, but in the same token. 
And when you want to impress your date or your friends or your out of town, you know, guests or, or closing a business deal, this is why Mr. Coco can be that situation, that environment that gives you exclusivity, uniqueness, and uh, making you feel special. And uh, I, you know, everything comes, um, everything happened for a reason. And I wanted to do something on my own years ago, but maybe I wasn't ready. Maybe I didn't have enough stories to tell. And now I have stories to tell, you know, whether from the liquor industry or from the walk of life or... Uh, Maybe I wasn't mature enough back then to be able to sustain this type of clientele. But when you come to Mr. Coco, you feel a sense of uh, cohesiveness and uh, harmony. The guests are not on their cell phone. They only use the phone to take pictures of the drinks, you know, or the space or, come, or, or you know, take a picture to, um, you know, as a, to commemorate the space. But... Everybody talks, everybody converses. And in, in this, uh, uh, you know, uh, time of our society where everything is about digital and smartphones and uh, people come back and here is they feel back to the roots. Uh, the staff is, you know, works in a very calm, harmonious way. They don't slam the bottles. There is no noise coming out of the bar. And the music plays, the decor, the artwork, the lighting, and the scent, right? Everything falls into places. So there you have all these subliminal messages that the guest picks up, but they don't know where they come from, or they're not all visible. And that's the beauty of a place that makes you dream, that makes you feel special. And there are no secrets, you know? All I do... It's just uh, combining all the successful business platforms that I experienced in the past and experiences and try to bottle that into Mr. Coco. Why Mr. Coco? Well, Mr. Coco is because uh, it's twofold. One, Coco, my 10-year-old Westie, uh, a wonderful male dog that my daughter, Elisa, helped me to, uh, you know, to, to put together their concept. And two, because uh, she, my daughter, uh, is a big fan of uh, Coco Chanel because of her work ethic as the first one of the human female pioneers in the early 1900s, you know, to go against the grain, so to speak, of society and and uh, our fashion and so forth. So our work ethic and also our, um, our approach to luxury and lifestyle. So Chanel is a great renowned brand. And so Coco, the, uh, the fashion, Coco the dog, and Mr. Coco came to life. Are you the, uh, that's the question I didn't ask you while we were off camera, off uh, tape, are you the first, I'm going to use the word celebrity, but celebrity bartender to open a place in Vegas, a la like celebrity chef style? No, Sean, I, realistically speaking, I, am, I don't think that I am a celebrity bartender, I, I do have, um, you know, internationally recognitions which I'm very proud and honored but at the same time I, you know I don't even own a website <laughs> I don't even you don't have, have FrancescoLaFranny.com no <laughs> I, I don't have you know my Instagram is very very bare to the minimum I'm very old school and I just like to interact with people I just like to make people special you know, because people come here. Think about this. 
it's a it's a venue like any other venues, right? And uh, but people they have uh, they take the time to dress up to carve out an hour or two of their time in their life every uh, uh, for that specific specific day. They have to park or valet or whatever, and they have to walk uh, up here to find the space to sit down and spend twenty five or you know more you know dollars for it's a commitment so to come and spend time here, I have to make sure that is directly proportional to their effort you know so for me, I'm not just another bar in Las Vegas with a turn and burn. Oh, you can, you're a, you're mm-hmm. a tourist. Okay, just give me your money and sayonara, right? Uh, you come here, um, you it's a destination, you know, within the hotel. It's not that I'm on a casino floor or easy to find. So it's very important that um, uh, we're able to find that... Uh, can you stop one second? Mm-hmm. Uh, That's okay. Hi. You aren't open yet, are you? No. Uh, did you find the door open downstairs? Yeah, there was no hostess, so I apologize about that. I didn't know. <laughs> it's my first time here. Oh, sorry. No, we open at 8 o'clock tonight. Okay, no problem. Thank you. Uh, sorry, thank you. Is there a number that I can call? Yes. Because I, I need to create a wrap party for Saturday night. I don't know if you feel them, so... Um, why don't you email me, uh, okay. Francesco, at Mr. Cochran, Francesco. I'm Gilda, nice to, nice to meet you. you. Yes. And, uh, Are you sampling anything? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, and um, I'll see you. Yeah, email me and then I'll put you in contact and then you can explain what you're Jake's looking number, for. number, but I don't know. You guys are third party, right? Yes. Okay. I'll we are. But Sorry. Thank you. No, no problem. Uh, how can I be unlocked? It's very strange. I remember hearing a lock behind us. But Dario. Dario came in behind us. Yeah. How can it be unlocked? So, what are you saying? You know, the Dean, what is funny? This is uh, talking about coincidence, Doc. No worries, we are with Tobin at the moment. <laughs> Actually, Tobin said that he had a meeting with him too. <laughs> um, why you say that you're not... And, of course, you're super ridiculously humble. Um, you've been doing this longer than the internet has really been the internet. So, But for me, like I know I talked to the story. Like, ten years ago, this month was the first month that I had my first like junket trip to Cognac for the BNIC years ago. And for me, being an Australian bartender, uh, traveling to France for my first big, like, brand trip ever, um, I remember getting the list of people that were coming. And for me, um, I'm still super ridiculously grateful that I get a chance to uh, get us down chat to you and Tobin. And we did a seminar a couple of years ago at Tails, and I have Duff on speed dial whenever I need him and stuff like that. So... Why you say that, like for me, I'm 100% grateful for everything you've done in the industry. Um, I'm probably a little bit more plugged in than some of the younger generation because I never had that sort of like amount of resources to me. So you had to sort of research absolutely everybody. Um, but I think you shouldn't undersell yourself because you're, you, you're, you're inspiration along with Tony and like Bridget and that sort of thing for Southern Glazers was so far reaching 
that I followed and, and sort of saw you as a peer in Canada way back in the mid-2000s when I first came to Canada. Like, I think Australia has always been seen as, like, this sort of, like, wonderful little cocktail island in the middle of nowhere. But for me, coming to Canada, even Victoria, BC, which is freaking tiny as hell, um, having the opportunity to, to get to know and, and meet people who I class as heroes and then become friends with is just second to none for me. Well, I... Even now, like, I'm going on 40 this year, and... I think me, Sean is, um... In every industry, uh, in every uh, in every craft, uh, it's very important to find or to have a mentor. The mentor, um, sometimes the mentor can also be your partner, not necessarily somebody in the industry, mm-hmm. but somebody with the outside view, you know, with a different perspective. This is how you are progressing in your career and so forth, and they can tell you you're doing this right or you should do this in a different way. And... But um, I think uh, I've been, and I am very grateful, um, you know, the fact that I always have a mentor in my life. I went to work in multiple, uh, you know, hotels uh, in Europe, and I always found somebody that would take me under his or her wing and, uh, you know, coach me through and show me, um, you know, the real world not painted, you know, just in a, you know, in a different way. And uh, always people gave me a chance. And I'm doing this uh, with my stuff, you know. I'm paying forward. I, I think it's very important to to look up with somebody and um, create, establish a connection and see if this person can help you, you know. Was it, easy, was it an easy road doing, Mr. Coco? Was there a time when, like, was, was there a point in time leading up to the opening that you were like... Shit! Mr. I what 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 have I got myself into? Should yeah, I, did I, I make a most horrible mistake? It's a I I wouldn't say I wouldn't say a horrible mistake. I would say, gosh, I left so much. You know, am I gonna make it? You know, ninety six or percent of the businesses or ninety eight percent they don't last within a year. That's what they told me, right? In America, at least. So we made it 13 months. Uh, we're still climbing. We're no near where we need to be. Uh, but, you know, we receive some nationwide awards and the word is starting to spread out and the guests are very excited and very um, uh, rewarding and very happy, you know, when they leave Mr. Coco. So I think it's just... Um, uh, uh, a little while more than it will take uh, to be where we need to be as far as um, you know business volume and so forth but yes of course it's been very tough it's been very tough because uh, you know you know you, you it depends where you are if you are a freestanding or if you are in a in a resort like where we are you know there are situations that you have to deal with marketing you have to deal with uh, planning uh, you know there's a they closed the nightclub, so uh, you know a, a thousand of people that we could have uh, over the weekend are no longer here, and then, uh, so there there have been challenges. But what is um, amazing is that uh, the employees that are hired from day one, uh, the majority are still here. Oh, you wow. know? Uh, someone left because of uh, they had opportunities out of state, or you know they had uh, their own reason, but. Uh, I still have the original bartenders and the original hostesses, you know, and... Uh, Especially difficult in Vegas. It is, and, you know, 
No matter what, you can have a million dollar chandelier in the bar or a fancy, you know, furniture. But at the end of the day, it's all about people. And if you don't have the right people to manage and promote um, and endorse your philosophy and your vision, you won't go anywhere. Uh, this is the problem and that I see. You know, people hire, you know, good-looking, handsome, you know, bartenders and fancy furniture. And uh, but at the end of the day. If you have no substance, uh, you know, you won't be able to, you know, to linger on. And I'm very grateful with my stuff because I I am not worried about pilfering. I'm not worrying. I mean, they call me. If I'm off, they call me and say, may I take care of a gas drink or so, you oh, know. Wow. Um, so we have that trust. We have that communication. Now we share. And we've been through roller coasters, right, to get where we are. And so I think the more uh, harsh times uh, you spend with your with your team, with your employees, the stronger the relationship builds up, you know. Um, and um, and that's the beauty. That's a, that's why there are some great companies like uh, I, I can mention you, Amazon Rye, for instance. You know, where with uh, Nectali Mendoza and um, and, uh, and and his partners and. Uh, uh, they they've been working together to you know um, so much and so hard because in the beginning they don't they were making you know not even you know hundred dollars a night <laughs> now it's a killing machine you know <laughs> everybody who comes to Vegas must go to it right. so hopefully it will happen to Mr. Goku as well <laughs> but it's a it's a wonderful uh, situation luckily the ownership uh, understands and. And supports and yes, there are some challenges moments, you know, where you say, "My God!" I mean, everybody in their forties, they're walking out of this business. They're going to be brand ambassadors, you know, uh, or consultant. And look at me, I'm forty-seven, and I'm going back into it until four in the morning. <laughs> you know, uh, that's why. But I realize that uh, the this is a stage and. And I'm here, and I I was meant to entertain, to host, and um, you know I don't mind to cook a pasta at one or two in the morning, and open a great glass of you know a bottle of wine and uh, for for guests or uh, to give that special moment, to give that special liquid memory. It's what it's all about. Because at the end of the day, what we will take with us is memories memories of your family, your loved ones, your friends, and maybe that bar that, you know, for one time you stumble into it and you had this courteous bar staff that take care of you, they took care of you, and um, and made your night memorable. And just the time that you and I spent time in Cognac, right, in France, and great time, we will, we will treasure that memory forever. And how many times you walk into bars, nobody knows you, you sit down, and then after closing hours, two, three, four in the morning, you're still there drinking with the owner or with the bartenders. He happened to me in Japan, he happened to me anywhere, Israel, you know, and so it's, uh, that's the beauty of, uh, of hospitality, expect the unexpected. I was going to ask more questions, but I'm going to cut it off there because that was the best line ever. And I know you need to get to a meeting. So, um, thank you so much for sitting down. 
I could literally talk to you for like two hours. Actually, we we actually literally have been talking for three hours. <laughs> I literally wish I I could have mic'd you up and just recorded the last three hours. Oh, no can. worries. I don't want to bore anybody, especially they need to have the dictionary to translate. <laughs> to, honestly, the, uh, but um, you know, it's um, I want to conclude with uh, my quote. And uh, we're not drinking, we're learning. I saw that above the bar and it's very subtle and I loved it so much. It's excellent. Thank you so, so much. Sean, you've been a dear friend for so many years. Thank you very much. And thank you for everything you've done for the industry as well. Thank you. Thanks for listening, Pose Shifters. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I really enjoy sitting down with friends and peers and uh, just chatting about the industry and getting down to the nuts and bolts of what's really going on out there. Uh, Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, everything on all the platforms. Just hit it up and I'll do my best to answer any queries or questions you have. I'll see you next week, guys. Bye.